Tēnā koea, no mai, haere mai, my name is Will Appleby and you're listening to Animal Matters. Last week, the New Zealand Animal Law Association and SAFE challenged the legality of rodeo at the High Court. This is the second time the two organisations have taken the government to court and the results of that first court case has caused headaches for the pork industry in recent weeks. And a new oat milk chocolate causes controversy when it's revealed it actually contains zero oat milk. Who would have thought that false advertising may make people grumpy? Animal Matters is brought to you by Safe for Animals. We release new episodes every fortnight, so make sure you subscribe on Apple, Spotify or whatever your favourite podcast platform is. You can also subscribe to our newsletter at safe.org.nz forward slash animal matters. Just over two years ago, SAFE and the New Zealand Animal Law Association took the government to court for their failure to phase out fowering crates. The High Court later ruled that the continued use of fowering crates was unlawful. This prompted a review of the Pig Code of Welfare, and a new draft code had been issued that proposes a ban on fowering crates. Submissions on this code closed 10 days ago. We've now come full circle. Last week, only days after submissions closed on the Code of Welfare that could see an end to fowering crates, the New Zealand Animal Law Association and SAFE were back in court again, this time challenging the legality of rodeo. Journalists from most of the major news outlets were in the room. It was one of the leading stories on both One News and News Hub, and it dominated the news bulletins on Radio New Zealand throughout the day. Now, rodeos, they're something most Kiwis only see in movies or on TV. Cowboys taking on bucking horses and other livestock. Now, whether the events are lawful is being debated at the High Court in Wellington. Two animal welfare groups are challenging the legality of rodeo events in the High Court. The Animal Law Association and animal rights group SAFE believe rodeo activities violate the Animal Welfare Act and the government's been too slow to act. Demelza Leslie reports. The next morning, Marcelo rodriguez Ferrer from the Otago University Faculty of Law was interviewed on TVNZ Breakfast to give a legal explainer of what the court case was about. The New Zealand Animal Law Association and SAFE are seeking this review pretty much as a last resort. In 2018, the New Zealand Animal Law Association produced a very damning report that showed that some events that are conducted in New Zealand rodeo really don't comply with the New Zealand's uh, Animal Welfare Act. Uh, and this is essentially a last resort to try and challenge that, uh, that the code of welfare that permits uh, rodeo to exist in New Zealand at the moment and, and simply challenge some of those rodeo events. Our amazing partners at the New Zealand Animal Law Association delivered a strong message that the process for the code of welfare for rodeo was flawed and that the entire code should be thrown out. It was acknowledged by the judge and representatives from the government that they had made a blunder in reissuing the Code of Welfare without following the proper process. The government's representatives argued that discussions to update the Code had been done, but for us, those discussions are taking far too long. We were scheduled to appear for a second day, but the judge decided at the end of the hearing on Monday last week that they had heard all sides and concluded the hearing. Now it's the hard part. 
The decision is in the judges' hands, and now we must wait until they make the decision and release their judgment, which could take about three months. As I mentioned earlier, this is the second time that the New Zealand Animal Law Association and SAFE have taken legal action. The judicial review of the Pig Code of Welfare came to the conclusion that the continued use of firing crates was unlawful, which prompted a review of the Code of Welfare. When the draft Code of Welfare for Pigs was published for consultation, you could almost hear the howls of fury from the industry. The draft code proposed either limiting the use of firing crates to 72 hours or banning their use altogether. A ban on firing crates was highlighted as the preferred option by the National Animal Welfare Advisory Committee. It also proposed increasing the minimum space requirements for grow pigs after they've been weaned from their mothers. The response from the industry was immediate. They launched a propaganda machine to fight the draft code of welfare tooth and nail. They issued a series of press releases, all saying a similar thing, that the new rules will put them out of business. They paid for billboards, including one outside Wellington Airport. They even launched a website called Support New Zealand Pig Farmers to encourage people to make a submission on the draft code using industry messaging. Side note, the website looked like a copy and paste of one of SAFE's webpages, just with different messages. It even included an identical disclaimer about the Official Information Act. I guess imitation is indeed the most sincerest form of flattery. A common argument the industry made was the fact that imported pork doesn't meet New Zealand's animal welfare standards, and therefore improvements to the rules shouldn't be made. Which is a compelling argument, but not a reason to water down our animal welfare standards. The problem for the industry is that we have laws that must be followed. The Animal Welfare Act 1999 is quite clear in its obligations, and current farming practices are not lawful. When the High Court ruled in 2020 that the continued use of farrowing crates was unlawful and invalid, that sent a clear message that the legal and social licence to confine pigs has expired. Greyhound racing has featured in a few drug scandals as of late. You'd think while the industry is under such intense scrutiny, the participants would be wanting to keep their nose clean, right? Three people, including two greyhound trainers, have been charged after two dogs racing in separate events tested positive for methamphetamine. The greyhound racing industry told Michael Mora at NewsHub that these were accidental contaminations, although they haven't put forward any evidence to support this claim. For a bit of context, in previous cases like this where a dog has tested positive for a prohibited substance like methamphetamine, the Racing Integrity Board has rarely been able to establish how the dog came into contact with the drugs, whether or not it was intentional doping or who was ultimately the cause of the doping or contamination. But just presenting a dog at a race with prohibited substances in its system is a breach of the rules of racing and the trainer is responsible. So the claim that it was accidental contamination is highly speculative. Furthermore, Greyhound Racing New Zealand CEO Glenda Hughes has blamed these positive drug tests on Aotearoa's wider issue with methamphetamine. 
I think all dogs in New Zealand are now at risk of um, methamphetamine contamination. Okay, there's a lot to unpack here. For starters, I don't know about you, but I've never met a dog with a bad meth habit. I've only met humans with drug addictions. Furthermore, that statement is totally passing the buck. Greyhound racing is a professional code. Trainers make money off of the use of these animals and therefore ought to be held to a higher standard than the general public. There would be outrage, for example, if pigs or chickens on farms were being contaminated with methamphetamine. At the end of the day, this is just another case that demonstrates that the greyhound racing industry is unfit and unable to properly care for the dogs in its care. Last week, Whitaker's made an announcement which confirmed what has turned out to be the chocolate company's worst kept secret. And I say worst kept secret because a blunder made by the Whitaker's marketing team meant that the new product they were announcing had been advertised online about a month ago. In late June, ads appeared on Google for Whitaker's oat milk chocolate, which caused a lot of excitement for vegans and the dairy intolerant. After screenshots did the rounds on social media, the ads were very quickly pulled. The spin-off made some inquiries with Whitaker's, and through a written statement, the chocolate producers refused to confirm or deny the existence of the oat milk chocolate. But now it has been confirmed that Whitaker's oat milk chocolate is coming, and at the time of the release of this podcast, it should be on supermarket shelves right now. The immediate reaction from those of us who prefer our milk without dead calves or diarrhoea was one of celebration. Because let's be honest, dark chocolate, it's not for everyone. I firmly believe that 90% dark chocolate is for psychopaths, but each for their own. I also firmly believe that oat milk is the superior milk, and it's seeing a rapid growth in popularity thanks to its flavour and credentials as a sustainable product. So a milk chocolate made with oat milk was always going to cause excitement. That excitement did not last long though. The spin-off followed up their earlier investigation, if you want to call it that, with a snack report on the much-hyped chocolate, and the verdict hasn't filled people with a lot of hope. They reckon, in short... It's just not good. Even their token vegan didn't like it apparently. They said that the chocolate is grainy and smelled waxy like cheap Easter egg chocolate from the warehouse. How could this be? Oat milk is meant to taste deliciously creamy. Well, it turns out there's no oat milk in this chocolate. You'd be forgiven for thinking that considering the name... This would be chocolate with oat milk instead of cow's milk. But it turns out that Whitaker's found a way of using existing factory equipment to grind locally sourced oats to then create this oat milk chocolate. That's not the same as oat milk. And it goes a long way to explaining why it might taste a bit grainy. In a previous life, I worked in marketing, and from my experience, it's never really a good idea to mislead customers with false names. So, it's hard to see what Whitaker's was hoping for here. That people would ignore the fact that Whitaker's oat milk chocolate contains precisely zero oat milk, but would hand over their money anyway because everyone loves oat milk. 
It will be interesting to see how this product plays out, but so far, not off to a good start. In all fairness to Whitakers though, it is extremely difficult to source 100% locally produced oat milk. In fact, from my knowledge, there's only one company that does, and that's Boring Oat Milk. They have a factory in Hawke's Bay that processes the oats. Everyone else though, they have to send their oats to Sweden to do the processing. This is set to change however, thanks in part to a government investment. Last week, Economic and Regional Development Minister Stuart Nash announced that the government has backed a Southland-based oat milk producer with a $6 million contribution. New Zealand Functional Foods is developing a carbon-neutral oat milk factory at Makariwa, north of Invercargill. It will have a capacity to produce up to 80 million litres of oat milk every year. What's really interesting is the government hasn't yet decided whether its contribution will be a loan or if it would take equity in the company. Minister Stuart Nash added that there was a compelling case that it's an opportunity for the taxpayer to get a return on the contribution. Considering consumer spending on plant milk has tripled from $52 million in 2017 to $144 million in 2019. At the moment, 80% of the oat milk consumed in Aotearoa is imported from overseas, despite the fact that oats are grown here. We just lack the infrastructure. As animal rights activists, we're very good at pointing out the things that the government does badly. And this is no silver bullet. It's a drop in the bucket compared to the preferential treatment the dairy industry receives from the government. But it is progress in the right direction. This isn't the first investment that the government has made in the plant-based food industry, and one very much hopes it isn't the last. Thank you for listening to Animal Matters. This podcast is brought to you by Safe for Animals, Aotearoa's leading animal rights organisation, and produced by myself, Will Appleby. Make sure you subscribe to stay across Animal Matters on whatever your favourite podcast platform is. If you're listening on Apple, please leave a rating as it helps other listeners to find the show. Until next time, Matewa.